0: You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Hey everyone, welcome to 128, based off of Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone Mature in Christ. In today's podcast, I'm speaking with Mary Walski, an incredible prayer warrior, a great woman of faith, and uh, someone who I personally turn to and admire greatly. I think you're going to be enriched by today's conversation. Mary speaks so eloquently and so in such a real way about her walk and her faith in Christ, and I think there's a lot to learn from her story. So without much further ado, let's get started. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Mary Walski, who is one of the quiet, unsung heroes of Grace Point. Um, uh, If you know Mary, you know that um, Mary has a really kind heart and is a prayer warrior and is one of these people who has a great perspective on things. And Mm -hmm. uh, you're one of those, Mary, that I wish more and more of our people would get to know because I Mm -hmm. think Uh, You offer such great wisdom and you genuinely pray, like you genuinely pray for other people. Mm. And um, it's such a privilege to have a conversation with you. So thank you for doing this.
1: I'm glad to be here. Um, I thought maybe we would just begin with your basic story. So where were you born? I was born in the city of Chicago, Southwest side.
0: South side of Chicago.
1: Southwest side. Oh, I'm
0: so sorry. Southwest side. It's
1: called Mount Greenwood.
0: Okay. I was
1: there till the age of 11, and then we moved to Lamont. My parents
0: built a home. Okay, great. So you're really Chicagoland, born, raised, been here your whole life. Been here my whole life. And never moved out.
1: Never moved away, but loved to travel.
0: Oh, excellent, excellent. And we were talking earlier and Offline about how you were in Scotland with a friend. I love that. Um, All right, so uh, born Southwest Chicago. Were your parents believers? Were you raised in a Christian home? Were you... Were they moral deists? Like, did they believe in God and (laughs) like Jesus, but weren't Christians? Like, what was the atmosphere that you were raised in?
1: My parents were very religious people, and my mother particularly lived her faith. She was very kind. Um, We grew up with prayers before meals. We believed in Jesus and the things of the cross. Um, But I only knew rules and, and religion. I didn't know anything about what I came to know further as a personal faith with Christ.
0: Mm. So very religious house. What religion? By curiosity. Catholic, Catholic.
1: Roman Catholic. Catholic Roman yeah. Catholic. Mm-hmm. How many siblings? I have five siblings.
0: And what what order are you in the order of siblings?
1: So my brother Dan was first. My brother Bill. Then my brother Tom. Then my sister Jan. Then Mary. And then my sister Rose. Oh my goodness.
0: Five so. of six. Five of six. Mm-hmm. And. uh Three boys, three girls, three can I,
1: boys, can I pick up on that. three girls. And the boys were 11 months apart.
0: Oh my goodness. So not a very active house at all. I'm sure there were no, <laughs> no disagreements going on there at all at any point.
1: Oh yeah. It was, it was a lot, a very interesting, especially in the early years of growing up. My brothers were all teenagers in a one bedroom hmm. and then the girls were all in a different bedroom. And then my parents had a
0: bedroom. What did your dad do for a living?
1: My father was an electrician and my mother did not work. She was at she, home. Well, she worked at home, I should say. Yeah, so it was six kids. She was working. She she was working a lot. She was absolutely working. She out. loved being a mother, though. Loved
0: it. Uh, so you said you draw up an interesting distinction. Did you pick up on the distinction between religion and someone who was living their faith?
1: Mm-hmm. Someone who was
0: religious and someone who was actually living their faith early on as you were growing up? Was that a pretty... Obvious distinction to it or to become more obvious over time?
1: I think it became more obvious over time as I really contemplated my own experience and walking with Christ. Um, My mother um, definitely went went to church and she was raised in the church. My father was also raised in the church. They were very moral people. Mm -hmm. My parents were salt of the earth people, very hardworking people, taught us all those things, honesty, integrity. But um, I was always missing something, and perhaps it was just me who was missing a piece. Mm. And then when my mother died at m- my age of 18, and she was my best friend, so that was an incredibly wow. hard time for us. Um, we all loved her incredibly. My mother was the kind of the center of the home.
0: the glue that gets,
1: the glue that put everything else together and, and my, the
0: joy that kind of it sounds like she was a real she had some joy that moved she had the a, house. A,
1: she was. She loved humor. She mm-hmm. loved people. She loved neighbors. She
0: loved her children. So to, so your parents, both religious, both Roman Catholic. Yes. But your mom seemed to have this relationship with God that your dad was moral and, um, obedient, perhaps to kind yeah, of what the church expected, I would say, but, but not necessarily transparent. Mm-hmm. Is that, a, is that a,
1: that's a, that's a good representation of what he was. Okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wonder if my father wanted six children. <laughs> right. And so in their faith, you, you accepted all the children that you had. I, I could tell it was difficult for him in certain times of his life where he felt like he was the breadwinner, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, we were on a very tight budget all the time just because imagine. of the days. And my father did a lot of extra work because so my father wasn't at home a whole lot. He was working a great deal. We did not take vacations as kids mm-hmm. because my father got more work and yeah. he was very compelled by his work. I don't remember much of him as a, fa- a father that you could sit on his knee. He was just always working. And so mom held together the glue to your point. Yeah. So,
0: so focused on provision. Yeah. Did that, did you have a sense that that, uh, did that bother Any like, Did it bother your mom? Did it bother him? Or was it just kind of the way things were?
1: I think it was the time. You know, that was the 60s. And it was the way things were. Um, My father worked very hard. And he taught my brothers to work hard. They also worked with him and were employed with him at different points in their life. But my mother had great joy in being a homemaker. Mm -hmm. It was the way it was. Um, I can remember going to the store and buying six chicken pop pies for 33 cents each. I can still remember that we were on always on a tight budget and I knew that part of it, but it wasn't like it was a real hardship. I don't know how to explain. Otherwise it, all yeah. the other people in the neighborhood were doing the same thing, right? Well,
0: poor isn't the same thing as sad, right? You can be poor and happy Yeah. and poor isn't the same thing as criminal, right? You can yeah. be, be poor and, and law abiding. So yeah, that makes total sense to me. So you were 18 when she passed.
1: I was 18. She died very suddenly. I, w- I was in my first year of college mm-hmm. away, and um, my younger sister and my brother and my father were home, and she had a heart attack right at home.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And so it was very traumatic for the three of them that were there. Yeah. And um, that led to. My father and some depression. Hmm. After that, I came home from school and decided to do
0: college locally. Now, where did you go the first year?
1: Illinois State University. Okay,
0: so you went south. Yes, okay. south and west. I then came up?
1: I came back to and lived in Lamont. we by then where we were living in Lamont when my mom passed away. And I went to, I graduated from Lewis University with a degree in business
0: administration. Tremendous. What happens after that? So you, get, you have a business degree. Are you, I guess uh, maybe a side question is, um, how long did it take you to find that relationship in Jesus?
1: Well, that started to happen in my 20s. So right. after mom passed away, and I kind of was questioning this religion, right? That that was a lot of turmoil going on in my mind. My dad was real sad all of the time. And I was trying to raise my younger sister who was now a teenager, oh, okay. <laughs> and she was tricky. <laughs> As all teenagers teenagers
0: are. Teenagers tend to be a little tricky.
1: Teenagers are always tricky, right? She's a good kid. So um, I was an immediate mother to a child. I was going to college and I was working two other jobs. So kind of took on, in a way, my dad's mentality of working, 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 right? So at that point in my life, I um, started listening to a song by Amy Grant, el shaddai and that yeah, that song time. just really kind of hit my heart and i started seeking god in, in a deeper way i really saw him so
0: was i remember that album by the way really, yeah. really really well was uh so was christian music then a port a portal for you into a deeper exploration where you were like i'm connecting here this is more than what i was raised up on i like yeah. to seek this thing up further yeah absolutely
1: and and i don't have a recollection of how I ended up coming across that song. But in those early years of, I actually got my first um, full-time job when I was 24 years old. And when I started in the business world, I had a coworker named Jeannie. And about that time, God uses interesting moments and interesting people to help you move into a next layer of life, right? So I had a boss who was an atheist, Okay. and he one time said to me, so why do you remain in this faith if you aren't sure you believe that what they believe? And that was a huge catalyst for me. What a
0: great question, too.
1: Wasn't it a great question? It's a very
0: honest question. Very why honest. Why are you in this if you don't believe it?
1: Yeah, he was a great guy. He was very supportive of me. And I thought, well, you're absolutely right. What am I doing? So I pursued um, different Avenues of Christianity mm-hmm. I knew when I was a little girl, I kneeled at an altar as a, a little girl and I knew this Jesus was somebody I wanted to know deeper even as a little girl.
0: So it wasn't as if when he asked the question you go, "Oh, I should look at Buddhism and I should look at Shenzhen. no like you were like, no, it's going to be there's something there right. I just need to figure out what it is. yes. And Absolutely, really who, who God is in this thing, because you—you you knew you were raised with things that you admired and liked, and yet mm-hmm. it felt a little distant. Yes, and now you hear someone singing emotively about God as if yeah, they have a greater connection than what a priest might say or what the religion might tell you. Right. And so now you start to really pursue it. And an atheist of all people, God says <laughs> an atheist God really to spur that journey on Mm -hmm. and while you're doing that this kind of existential crisis you're also you can't take the place of your mom but you're doing motherly things and you're working really hard and it's all happening at the same time what was that like for you what how did you emotionally navigate that season
1: well unfortunately my family was a family who did not speak and um we just did not go there with the emotions. Sadly, I did not say the word mom for an entire year. Mm. And my family did not process that for a long time. We oh. have since then. But for a long time, we just did not process our grief well at all. And that made for... The a, unspoken a,
0: elephant in the room.
1: Yeah. And it was a, it was lonely, very lonely at times. Um, I still had one brother at home. And then my of course, there was my father, and then my younger sister and myself. My older sister had gotten married the same year my mother had passed away. Oh wow! And so it was just a different. Well, we, we worst of times,
0: worst of times. Year.
1: All, all kind of doing our own thing, you know. I was trying to keep track of my sister Rose and what she was up to, and trying to support her there, and trying to support my dad, and trying to support the household, and. In the meantime, your dad job- is down
0: in the dumps. You're on your own search he
1: he was up and down yeah Yeah, he was up and down
0: how long did your search take so you're you're working you graduate from college yep with a great business degree Mm -hmm. and i assume you go get a job yep after i'm working two jobs but now you're kind of looking at career
1: right and so that's what landed me in the career and and so i had this boss this this intersection with this boss but soon thereafter i had a co-worker named jeannie and she invited me to her church and she went to Willow Creek Church. Oh. And the first time I walked into Willow Creek Church, I went, mm, this is a church. Because I was used to a very traditional style
0: of Oh, you were wondering, singing. is this even is this even church? Can right. We, can we even call this church?
1: What is this? It, it must was have so. Very foreign. It was very foreign. Where are the
0: robes? Where's the yeah. counting? Where's the yeah? Where's the Latin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Where's the everything? Was the I, altar boy? Where's, yeah, it just was very strange to me. I knew it would be different, but I didn't know how different. So, um,
0: so she I, invites you to Willow Creek. She
1: invites me to Willow Creek, and I, I said for a while, you know, she talked about coming back, and I said, you know, I just don't think that's for me. So I kind of pursued other, more con, more conservative types of Christianity. And then one time, when she you say lived,
0: conservative, you mean liturgical?
1: Yeah, more liturgical. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So which would be closer to what I was originally like a raised Catholic in Catholic thing.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And so it was church what I knew. So um, after I think it was a, a year or so, she invited me back to some kind of women's conference. And in that conference, the the Holy Spirit, it must have been, really spoke to me and said, there's something here you need to uh, pursue. And this is at Willow Creek. This is at Willow Creek still. Okay.
0: And would you say that you're so you're still on route to becoming a born again believer at this point, And mm-hmm. God just keeps prompting you. Yeah. You step into this foreign world. You go, oh, wait a second. Maybe not. That's yeah. Not so familiar. Yeah. And now suddenly you're there for a women's conference. And it's like a God nudge because you're not his yet. but There's a nudge.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Well, soon thereafter, being at Willow Creek. I will never forget the day. So it was Bill Hybels stood up there and gave a message called Show Me the Way. Mm -hmm. And Show Me the Way, for a Roman Catholic, was a very good way to lay it out, for, for my understanding anyway. He had a ladder on one side of the stage, and he had a scorecard on the other side of the stage. And at the top of the ladder was God. And at the bottom of the ladder, he put um billy graham and mother Teresa. well all of my life i'd been trying to be mother Teresa. i was on a works oriented path because that was how i was raised be a good girl be a good girl be a good girl Mm -hmm. but it's part of my crisis of faith was how can i ever be good enough right
0: that's right
1: so this gentleman gets bill hybels gets on the stage and he shows me the ladder and also the scorecard and he talks about a guy he talked to on a plane that You know, he asked him about his marriage, and he kind of ticked things off, showing this gentleman that he was never going to be good enough, right? So when um, Bill Hybels put up uh, Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, I thought to myself, well, darn it. I've been trying to reach be Mother Teresa, and she considers herself at the bottom of the ladder, so what's next? And Bill Hybels went on to very clearly say that i was never going to earn my way to heaven that jesus had paid it off for me mm. and he he, un, he unpacked the gospel for me in such a way that i finally understood it i cannot say i was ever presented with that information
0: you know, uh, we uh, uh, i've done a few of these uh, 128 interviews now and mm-hmm. that's somewhat that's another couple's testimony as well kind of raised the same way but they're like a, we never heard the gospel. Yeah. And again, the gospel means good news. Good news, So yeah. when you first hear the good news, you realize how good it is. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, I think some people who are raised in other traditions, Protestant traditions, or maybe um, aren't raised at all with any kind of religious background, they, they think of works, but until you're really desperate and you realize, oh, actually, I, this isn't satiating, it's not filling me, that good news of it's been done for you really hits hard, right? Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to like the gospel presentation, it's like really good news. Mm-hmm. And so it was the first time it, it came alive for well,
1: you. Well, it was, for me, it was an intellectual thing where it clicked. Like, remember, I always loved Jesus in my heart. And so I had a connection with him there. But the intellectual part of it that yeah. I was never going to earn my way to heaven finally was so freeing for me mm-hmm. that I would call my testimony freedom because yeah. after that, my faith just blossomed. So would you say that's
0: the moment that you became a born again believer? There I would
1: I would say that just yeah. because I didn't have, you know, the yeah, well, you information. Were,
0: you were rowing your way through. Yes. And then... Mm-hmm. God just kind of, it's like this incredible moment of demarcation. Yes. So what happens after that? So now here you are, um, you know, it's like a whole new world. The skies opened <laughs> up, right? It goes from black and white to living color. Yeah. What happens for Mary Walski at that point?
1: Well, I immediately got involved in serving at the church and started a, a f- several friendships. And what
0: prompted the serving?
1: Well... We were raised to serve, first of all. You know, my mother was always helping a neighbor or doing this or, or that. But I, I have always had a heart to serve.
0: Mm.
1: I just loved initially, before I was a Christian, I used to serve to feel good about myself. Mm. And I think that was a lot of motivation. And remember, I was on a perfection track. Right. So I was always
0: doing, doing, doing something. Trying to be Mother Teresa.
1: Trying to be Mother Teresa. And she certainly was a servant, right? right. So, yeah. But so now, but now
0: when you're serving, it's not for promotion. Now it's just for a reason of, of gratitude and freedom and just, yes. I just want to bless. I want to help.
1: Yes. So you sign up to serve. This is a
0: Willow Creek. Yep. And, uh, you are, you make friends. Mm-hmm. And so what does the growth process, you're still working in your job and your career,
1: mm-hmm.
0: your sister, is she now? Graduated? Is she?
1: She's she's been through high school, and by that time, probably entering college. Yeah.
0: And your dad, he's kind of roller coastering a little bit. so Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, he's up and down, but most more stable than he had been. So. Got it.
0: And so now you're making friends. Yeah. And your world is opening up. Mm-hmm. And what happens next? Like you, uh, you're. How long are you there? How long do you serve there? Are you? Do things change? What. Um, What were kind of some of the factors that kind of played into your next season?
1: So I was there for, I don't know, maybe a total of four years. Um, I had great friendships. I was in what was called a food ministry. So Willow Creek is a very large church. Mm -hmm. And at Willow Creek, they had a food service ministry where um, there was food for purchase before and after service. And so um, I ended up, just getting to know relationships serving there but in conjunction with that was a small group so you would serve with uh, a set of people who are also in a small group and studying the word and breaking down the word together and my first small group leader was ralph and ralph was just a really godly very patient man and just learned a lot under his teaching and more than anything my early faith was about the camaraderie in christ that i had never known you know there was this new freedom and i was we had this ministry was really big and we had parties and fun and so i'm a 20 something girl and we had all kinds of fun together and just really enjoyed worshiping the lord and this was newfound freedom of being able to sing christian songs you know everything was new to me
0: Yeah,
1: all you know because i'd never been grown up with the christian songs and just different things and you know getting in the word was new But um, after um, a few years at that church, I just really felt in the Lord tugging at my heart that I needed more, more. And so I ended up at Harvest Bible Chapel in Rolling Meadows.
0: Yeah.
1: And James McDonald was the first person I really felt really broke down the scriptures for me. And um, I just fell in love with the word of God.
0: Well, you remind me of just a couple of things. First, one of our core values at Grace Point. Yeah. Which is go to grow. Yeah. Like those early Willow Creek years, that's really go to grow. I start serving in the context of that. Yeah. Now I'm growing and I get into the word. And then you reach a point where you're like, actually, I want more word. I want, you know, you're at this point in your walk where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm I'm beyond the love kind of thing. Mm -hmm. My love for God hasn't gone away, but I'd love for there to be some depth and some rooting and foundation to it. Yes. And Mm -hmm. that, cause you to fall, fall in love with the word. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously all true believers remain in love with the word as mm-hmm. well as we remain in love with Jesus and all that. But yeah. um, some get stuck into legalism mm-hmm. when they get kind of hit that phase of things. Did you find yourself um, tempted by legalism or was your background and context in this idea of you've been freed from that world so much that had you away from it? Like, was the memory of that so fresh that kept you out of legalism or were you tempted by legalism and you just said, I mean, how did you grow through that?
1: I think in the early days when I was still at Willow Creek, I was more tempted to have legalism. Mm-hmm. I was coming out of that legalism because that was very much a legalistic lifestyle, um, a religion for me. And, um, when I got to know the word more and really was downloading it into my life, you Mm. know, so I was doing more serious Bible study. I also joined Bible study and fellowship. So I was trying to get the word from different areas. I was getting it at church and I was actually in a small group and I was doing Bible study fellowship. So I was getting it from a, a lot of different areas, but as most, Mature believers would tell you, as the Word of God settles into your soul, and if you're going to be a person who really wants to live the Word of God, then you've got to act it out and you've got to live, live it in your everyday life. I remember specifically different job situations where some of our staff was just biting each other and really getting on each other's nerves. And I remember opening up our meeting with a verse from Scripture one day. And I asked these old,
0: bold, especially in a secular workplace, right?
1: You know, when I finally came to the truth of the gospel and understanding the the word in a better way, I felt I had something to offer that oh. I never had to offer
0: before. I love that.
1: Because it is just such grounded truth. When before I always thought I had to offer my gifts, my talents, my whatever. Now I could actually share a life-changing thing with somebody, right? So we actually got to talk about that scripture that day. And I mean, I was very um, open in my faith and it was just a very difficult day because of these personalities. And I, I think we left the meeting well, mm. but I was applying my faith at that point. And so to answer your question about not becoming as legal legalistic when the word is applied to your soul. So one day I was walking out of work And I was in a very difficult time in my life. I can't even remember the exact things that were happening in my personal life and my work life. It was just very stressful time. And I kept saying to myself, why am I always second? Why am I always second? You know, so my, my sisters and their families, my brothers and their families, and then I got the work thing and I'm getting passed over for this and I'm getting passed over for that. And I was walking into the parking lot to my car, and I can tell you to today where I was standing. And I said, "Lord, why am I always second? And He said, "That's what you do to me."
0: Oh wow! So what a Holy Spirit check. Right? Whoa! Where's the priority?
1: Yeah, uh, exactly. And so, Mary, are you going to surrender fully to me, or are you gonna just going to keep trying to do it yourself? Yeah. What and a discipleship so,
0: moment, what a God moment.
1: It was a total God moment. I remember just weeping all my all the way home.
0: Yeah. The, um, boy, there's so much that's really beautiful in there that you've spoken just eloquently on. I love that phrase, downloading the word into your soul, but that, that idea of the dialogue that the Holy Spirit is actually in dialogue with us Mm -hmm. through his word Mm -hmm. and that he has a tendency to kind of put our concerns and worries and some of our issues Mm -hmm. into perspective. Yes. You know, and that forces us to figure out how we're going to adjust, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to just justify what I want to do, God, and what I want to say, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people want. The disciple says, no, I'm going to adjust to what you're telling me to do. Right. It's incredible stuff. So God convicts you on priority and being bold at work and here you are on your job. And there's many years after that, right? Um, because you've been a believer. How, how many years have you been a believer now? Um,
1: I believe that was 1990.
0: 1990 so, so yep. so quite a few years. Mm-hmm. You know? That's 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so you're you're witnessing at work. You're being transparent. Um, eventually, you make your way to Naperville Bible, I assume, or Grace Point, whichever it was at that point.
1: I actually was the founding member of High Point Church okay which is down the street we were harvest um bible chapel's first church plant absolutely so i was when i found my way to harvest and i was learning the word and being really just growing 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 i'll call it the growing time um the lord always had a check in my spirit that i wasn't staying Mm -hmm. i just always knew it for some reason and then one sunday they announced their very first church plant And um, I had two friends that were on the committee, and they invited me to an intro meeting, and I felt that that was what I was called to. And the first time I went to the meeting, we were kneeling, praying, and I started sobbing because the Lord had revealed to me when I first became a believer, I prayed for a church like that to be more in the southern suburb, you know, more southwest. So not only was he answering my prayer, he was letting me be a part of my prayer.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: So it's just, to this day, it just chokes me up of, of him just wanting to use me in that way. So you went to High Point. Now yep. you're starting a church. Yeah, we're starting it' quite a
0: journey, right, from learning about the Bible and serving and everything. And yep. now God is launching up to start a church. And mm-hmm. you're a part of that. And, um, and eventually make your way over here uh, mm-hmm. and to Grace Point. The, I, I guess a part of the question is, did you, was it, has it always been a gradual growth for you? Um, cause it sounds like you have these kind of, these points where God kind of meets you in some very specific ways. Um, is it more like a step kind of a growth for you? And, and if it's more of a step, was there a moment where you felt like something in your character shifted? Was there like a character thing that, you've been working on or that you were worried about that God just said, okay, it's been, this is not time, let's deal with it. And you kind of dealt with it and then moved on. Or how's what's your growth process toward maturity been?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. I would say that every year, I believe that maturity and faith has to be very deliberate.
0: Mm, that's exactly right.
1: And deliberate means that I cannot, you know, slow down or just decide I'm not going to read my Bible for months and then expect me to myself to grow. I've heard it said that a Christian is never standing still. They're either moving forward or going backwards. And I feel that personally, because I know the times, especially when I was in difficult work situations that I I was always rushing, always running, not you know wanting to read my my bible because i was so exhausted right so i could tell the fruit of the spirit was not there anymore my interest in a lot of things just went down and so i believe um starting the church was just really critical to um a, a growth spurt another growth spurt because that was way out of my comfort zone cuz i i tend to be a person i stayed with this with. Uh, a company for 33 years. So I'm not somebody who jumps jobs or anything like right. that. I, I am very consistent in a lot of things. But um, when the Holy Spirit prompted me, to your point, probably that I needed to grow. Mm. I needed to grow in this area of faith. And taking more chances and more of a some, risk, more risk. That's the word I wanted. Yeah, it's funny because the
0: second it's the second time, if you think about it, that, uh, that that's that that came up earlier. Yeah. It was in my first or second. Right. Right. And then it comes back up and it's almost like it was settled that second go around. Like you said, mm-hmm. OK, here we go, mm-hmm. because you're not someone who is fearful. You know, I've been your pastor you for a while now. I've, I've never known you to be a fearful. <laughs> person um that doesn't mean maybe there's not concerns or not worries but it's just you're not someone who's marked by fear it sounds Mm -hmm. like the fear of the unknown was one of those things that god really Mm -hmm. transformed in you Mm -hmm. that you said okay god as long as i'm with you Mm -hmm. we'll tackle the unknown together is Mm -hmm. that that
1: yeah i think that's a good representation i um i'm constantly working on that area of my life because um one year I prayed for faith, more faith. And that was a really difficult year. I remember him having me study the book of Job <laughs> just previous to that or right around that. And I thought, well, yeah, at least you prepared me. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, the first time you go through Job in a serious way, like, oh, that's pretty, pretty eye-opening, right? It, you have all those chapters where you feel like, is this going to get better?
1: Yeah. Like, how does this end? it this- so relatable.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the oldest books in terms of uh, written content in in the Bible, and it's interesting that the oldest, one of the oldest stories we have in all of scripture has to do with how someone handles suffering Mm -hmm. in difficult times. You know, it's so funny. People think that the more mature you get, the fewer challenges in life you have. (laughs) I just have not found that at all to be the case. Um, but it is to say that you figure out how to navigate those challenges, maybe a little bit better in, you know, you, you, said something earlier that I don't want to gloss over because, um, I know a little bit more about your story, which is in 2012, you were diagnosed with, what's it called? Hashimoto's. Hashimoto's. Met that means heavy fatigue.
1: Yes. It's a th- thyroid autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm.
0: And so when you said earlier, I was tired and I just. So I let things slip and I just wanted to, you know, it's like, I'm trying to get, that's not a small challenge. It's not like you woke up one day and yawned. It's, Mm -hmm. you were really wrestling with something very physical and very Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. And still, you know, it's, you, you have to kind of navigate it. And, uh, and yet through that, chose to follow God and to say, okay, God, this, I, I had let it go. That's not healthy for me. The healthiest thing for me is to, be consistent and be in your word and keep going. Oh,
1: absolutely! It's my lifeblood. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the word and prayer have become my lifeblood. Somebody said to me, "Oh, Mary, you know, you're such a prayer." I get that all the time. I have I have a, a moniker, prayer mayor. Yeah, <laughs> Some people call me prayer mirror. and I say, uh, I pray because I'm desperate. Mm-hmm. Are Are you guys not desperate?
0: Oh. Wow okay, I, okay, I, 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 so let's go off on a tangent just real quick because this is that's a great doorway for us to step through into okay. a lot of people wonder how do I become a prayer warrior? Mm. How do I become someone who's known for prayer? And you're saying you didn't like start off on some mountaintop, yeah. legs crossed, you know what I'm saying, some no. in some low, low, what is it, lotus position? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that it was really fostered because you had to pray. Yeah. And so the being forced to rely on God in prayer through desperation, did that awaken in you not just the the necessity of prayer, but also the value of prayer? Because it's one thing to say, yes, I pray to God. It's another thing that people say, that's the person you can count on to pray they'll pray for you. They'll actually be, they'll they'll be an intercessor for you. And that's really a part of your reputation as well. And certainly who you are, the people mm-hmm. I know I turn to you, mm-hmm. when, you know, when I need prayer and others turn to you when they need prayer. Mm-hmm. How, can you describe just the, the journey you went on in terms of becoming someone who uh, became such an active prayer warrior?
1: Well, it's very interesting because part of it goes back to faith that was modeled by my mother. My mother was a prayer warrior, mm. and I, I didn't glean from it in, in those young years exactly what it was about, but we saw miracles in our household. Wow. I think of two specific miracles. One was with my father had an estranged brother named John, and his sister, Marianne, was dying. And Marianne wanted to see her brother, John, before she passed away. And I remember I would watch my mother on her knees um, crying out to the Lord to find John. Well, soon thereafter, my father was driving through a toll booth going north on 294. And who was his attendant was the wife of John. Wow! And so we reconnected them. That was just one of just the many.
0: Miracle God through connection, through prayer. You can only through, say prayer. through
1: prayer. Right. So. We, I was raised with that kind of faith. So fast forward, when my mother passed away, which was a very dark time for for me. Excuse me. It was a very dark time for me um, because she was my best friend, and and you know my whole world was collapsing, and I really wanted to die. You know, it was just so difficult. So, the one thing that held me was mom always used to pray. Like that example was set for me. So fast forward, I became a Christian and I was praying in my early Christian years, but that wasn't a whole big part of my Christian experience. It wasn't until I um, moved over to Harvest Rolling Meadows and I was more in, in more challenging situations in my life. My father went on to have more health problems. And so I became more desperate to my point before I became more desperate. I knew prayer worked and I knew I could speak to god and i was learning the word so i i used the the word and i just cried out to god i can tell you situations where i was in my job and i was in a panic because i didn't know how to fix something on my computer or my printer i still remember this i didn't know how to fix the printer and i had to have a report like in five minutes i said okay god i just stopped and prayed and i said it's gonna have to be you because I am not going to know how to do this. You're at the
0: end of your rope.
1: I'm at the end of my rope. And I had a lot of those situations because my father was sick. I mean, I, we had a lot the of The report fans. got printed.
0: so it got The it report got there. printed, was right? to make sure I close that
1: loop. Oh, absolutely. So the report got printed. And I mean, he showed up again and again and again. I, I needed furniture for a townhome I had purchased. And I just didn't have the money. I show up and the former owners left their furniture.
0: Yeah. I mean, just Things provision
1: like after provision, you totally know?
0: know what you're talking about. Yep. Miracle after miracle. It's, um, it's amazing what happens once you start to see the miracles Yeah. that people who say, God doesn't do miracles anymore. I sometimes wonder, well, I
1: don't know who you're praying to.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it's, we've had, so, we've experienced just some unreal, like miracles in, in our lives as well, that we can directly attribute to prayer. Was there a dark night of the soul moment
1: for you? Well, yes. Um, a few years back, I, I had been struggling, again, with my Hashimoto's disease. I was in my job, and I was under a great deal of stress. And then my eldest brother, who was single, turned ill, and I had to take over his care. Um, differing family members were not able to, and that kind of fell to me. And my brother had a lot of, um, difficult challenges in his life. And so it was months and months and months and months of doctors and hospitals and trying to get legal documents signed. And, um, I'm sure I can't go through every part of the story, but I remember. So all of a sudden my Hashimoto's disease is getting worse Mm -hmm. because I'm under my body's under a critical point of stress. And after months and months of, of this going on, I said to the Lord, I know you wanted me to help my brother, Dan, because you called me to that. You, to- you told me early on. But I feel like my physical body is dying.
0: Mm.
1: I um, And I don't know how to fix it, Lord. I don't know how to fix it. Mm.
0: Desperate.
1: I was desperate. And I was praying at the time and other people were praying for me at the time. And for a long time, things did not seem to get better. They only seemed to get worse with my brother and his care. So I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, I just surrender this to you. I'm giving you the situation and if you want my health to be worse, then you're going to either fix it or you're going to take me home. Those are, those are the places that I would be in. And I really felt like the Lord was at some, so many points removed from me. Like it was just very painful time, painful physically, as well as mentally, emotionally.
0: It's called a dark night for a reason.
1: The dark, dark night of the soul. And so I struggled for a long time. There, there were some highlights on my on birthday. I was visiting my brother, and um, I had walked down the hallway of this rehab center, and I heard gospel music. And I, I was crying to the Lord, it's my birthday, and nobody's even here. We're not even doing anything for my birthday, you know. So I was having a pity pity party, and I hear this gospel music, and I walked into this this room where people this little church was having church. And so I had church with them, and the Lord encouraged me Then It was a happy birthday. It was a happy birthday moment. So he gave me little glimpses, but I still felt like almost abandoned because mm-hmm. I kept crying out like, "Lord, I don't have a resolution for my brother. You know, this keeps getting worse, I don't know what to do for him." He was kind of obstinate in some areas of trying to help him, and there were financial issues. I mean, the layers were huge. So my dark night of the soul was like, Lord, where are you? And why am I suffering so? Mm-hmm. So since then, and since I've had come out of that, I, I my brother did get better and and did. What was, the, what was the moment
0: that the light kind of started to come back on?
1: Well, I was um, doing some Bible study. Again, I was doing Bible study fellowship. And I remember telling my leader, you know, I'm really struggling with understanding God, if God loves me, because it sure is painful. And she said, Mary, I will pray for you. And I remember in the weeks to come, I had a better theology of suffering.
0: Mm, God used it.
1: That's what the Lord was, was teaching me, that theology of suffering. To your point, Pastor Derek, before, you know, as you get older, things don't seem to get better. Um, God's always working on something in your life if you're open to it, but, um, he was teaching me that, that I must suffer for the cross. I mean, it's all over the word.
0: Yeah. The challenges are still there, but the spiritually mature person, um, understands that the challenges have meaning. The challenge with the dark night is when you're immersed in it, right? You, you, it just, you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then as you start to come out of one of the things that, um, St. John the cross said, what God is doing is he's drilling in you devotion. Mm. And through that devotion, teaching you what it needs to be more like Jesus. And yes. uh, so just really, really powerful. Hey, I, I want to kind of revisit something cause you, you brought it up earlier and, and a little bit offline, which is that you've never married. Right. And, um, would you kind of walk back through some of what we were talking about uh, with that process? Because there's some people out there who feel bad about being single or I mm. not sure how to process it. It's not that you didn't want to be married. You would have loved to have been married. And it's not that you didn't date. It's just that God didn't work that out. And then you said you had a hysterectomy. You had kids as well, but mm-hmm. you had a hysterectomy. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. So after I became a believer and I understood a little more what, true marriage should look like. Um, You know, I did some dating, but um, the relationships just did did not work out. And I remember calling out to the Lord saying, Lord, if you um, want me to be single the rest of my life, then you need to take away Mm -hmm. this desire that I have for having children and having a family. And it was a little while later, but the Lord did take it away. He gave me a piece that um, he had a plan for me, re- regardless mm-hmm. of my having children or not. And that was kind of tied with that whole thing with the hysterectomy. That was very much a grieving time because I knew I was giving that up forever, too, at the same time. But he always assured me that he had something better for me. And I want to tell you something. I, I This just happened to me when we got back to church Memorial Day weekend this year. This year, I was praying um, during service, and the Lord just spoke to me so clearly that Mary, I have always had my hand on you. I was over in the chapel, and I was, you know, as as you get older, you you wonder about who's going to take care of you. And being a single person, there's another part of that. Um,
0: it's a dimension most people don't think.
1: About. Most people don't think about, and. Um, Who's going to take care of me, Lord? And and a lot of questions I have in retirement. And he he brought me back to that little girl who was kneeling in front in an, at an altar, who who said, "I want to know this Jesus more." Mm-hmm. And um, Mary, I have always had plans for you.
0: Oh. Well, I I love that God a answered that prayer by removing the desire. Mm-hmm. Um, that he gave peace, a peace that really passes understanding. That's right. Um, and then also that in these years where you're in this new phase that God reminded you, mm-hmm. I haven't left you. That's right. I haven't got anywhere. That's right. What a beautiful, really what a beautiful thing to consider, especially when you consider that in a dark night, you sometimes wonder, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. And yet God reminds us just because you don't feel me doesn't mean I'm not here. That's right. As people are listening to this and they have an opportunity to get to know you and your story, and here you are, you're, you're now retired, and uh, you're facing a new horizon and learning how to navigate a new frontier. As you pause and reflect, just as a spiritually mature believer, someone who's clearly devoted to God, devotion at this point is not a question. Comfort is the question, right? How comfortable will mm-hmm. you will you be or not be? And Mm -hmm. and Lord, can you keep pushing me forward? Mm -hmm. Um, But what advice would you give to those who are really immersed in the journey of becoming spiritually mature? You know, they, maybe they're in those early first four years of a Willow Creek phase, or they're in the early years of your harvest phase, or they're trying to figure out, am I willing to risk and go start something? Or, you know, God, what is my unique gift? But What piece of advice would you have for them as you reflect, just as an older mentor uh, to them?
1: Well, first of all, I I mentioned before, you have to be deliberate about your faith. Mm. You cannot sit in a pew or a chair and expect things to happen for you or to you. Yeah. God God is a God who engages. He wants you to go to grow. And so you have to, um, first of all, be in the word, be in prayer, um, get yourself in a Bible study, get yourself in some type of a small group. You have to have other people around you to encourage you, um, to mentor you. Um, but yeah, I would say he's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I would say. Christ is so worth it in those, in those hard days where I just kept searching and wondering, you know, what was next and where should I go? And you know, sometimes faith has peaks and valleys. It does, and um, I can say I've been in a lot of low places as well as a lot of high places. But He meets you wherever you are, um, but you do have to keep pursuing Him. You ha- and to me, that that happens through His Word and through prayer.
0: Yeah, there's a there's something about not being able to osmosis your way to maturity.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm
0: going to learn a foreign language. And so I'll sleep on top of the book. Yeah. And maybe the words will pass through my pillow. And then it just doesn't work that way. You know, it has to be activated. There's also something about um, the lows of faith um, where a lot of people think there's some kind of um, mysticism to it. But the truth is, there are some days in your journey of faith where you wake up and you're just left with Peter's words like, Lord, where would we go? What, right. what else would I? Right. You're all that I have, and you know, people wonder, would you ever leave the faith? And the answer is, oh, I've been tempted to. The problem is, is that I met Jesus, right? And so it's like, I don't know how to undo that. I don't want to undo that. But once you, once you've done that, you, if everything else is being questioned around you, right? That's the thing you hold on to, like that's the, yeah, right. I mean. I would love to just fall away, except I met a guy, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it really is a lot of that. And those are on the low days. On the high days, it's, wow, it's all working. I can see your hand in everything, God. And here you're working over here, and here you're working over there. This a beautiful tapestry of faith. Incredible. Well, thank you so much, Marie, for the time. Welcome. I appreciate it. What, you speak very eloquently about faith about the faith journey i'm going to hold on to that uh, downloading the word into your soul for for many years to come i think and um i just want to encourage uh anyone who's listening boy if you're trying to figure out where it all goes to uh, hear mary's words on devotion hear mary's words on allowing the holy spirit to speak to you even in parking lots Mm -hmm. in front of your computer screens Mm -hmm. hear her seek to be consistent and have integrity and transparency, even in the workplace. Um, recognizing that actually following Jesus is actually practical, very, very practical for work. (laughs) So, um, there's just so many great nuggets and kernels of truth here. Thank you so much for choosing to take the time to do this.
1: Thank you so much. It's been my privilege.